0: The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent.
1: Fatima cigarettes. Best of all long cigarettes. Brings you Dragnet.
0: You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A potential killer is on the loose in your city. He's robbed six people... For no reason at all, he beats his victim senseless. He moves fast. He's well-armed. Your job? Stop him. You'll be amazed when you compare Fatima
1: with other long cigarettes. You'll find they now cost the same. But in Fatima,
0: the difference is quality. You see, Fatima is the quality king-size cigarette. Because it contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended. And Fatima is extra mild, with a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. So compare Fatima yourself.
1: Fatima's now cost the same as other long cigarettes, but your first puff will
0: tell you...
2: Ah, that's different.
0: Yes, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Ask your dealer for Fatima. The quality king-size cigarette. Best of all long cigarettes. Start enjoying Fatima for a new year of greater smoking enjoyment. Dragnet,
1: the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment... Dragnet is the story of your police force in action.
3: It was Thursday, March 8th. It was windy in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch on a homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from the record bureau. It was 11:45 p.m. when I got to room 42, homicide.
4: Joe. Hi, Bill. Romero called about five minutes ago. He's on his way in from Georgia Street. Oh, thank you. And the captain's still around? He's gone for the night. You can catch him at home if you want to. Trouble? And the rattlesnake bandit. Got two more couples tonight. All right. Band?
3: About the same as the last three jobs he pulled. Pretty vicious. Gave the victims a bad going over. Who are they? Young salesman, and his girlfriend. They were parked up in the Silver Lake area. Bandit robbed him. When he didn't find enough money in the young fellow's wallet, he pistol whipped him, messed him up quite a bit. Hmm. Why'd he do that? Oh, there's no reason for it. The young girl in the car had an engagement ring on. She offered to hand it over. The bandit pulled her out of the car, punched her in the face, hit her quite a few times. Guy just seems to be looking for blood, that's all.
4: No leads on him, huh?
3: No, not so far. It looks like I'm out. Have you got any aspirin, Bill?
4: Yeah, I got a fresh bottle this afternoon. Lousy headache. I've had it all night.
3: How about the thief's M.O.? The same, huh? It well, has been so far. He works the outlying districts, parking areas. Doesn't seem to be any reason at all for these sluggings. The victims all agree on that. No provocation at all. The guy just seems to get a kick out of punching in somebody's face.
4: Hmm. Two pills in huh? there? Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Boys in robbery turn up anything?
3: No, neither have we. Bandit operates in hot cars. He's got a few good prints to work with. No make, though. The
4: guy works alone, huh?
3: Well, he did for the first two jobs. Last few times, he had a bright-looking blonde with him. Good-looking, you know, nice figure. Mm-hmm. Victims say that she stands by and just seems to egg him on. Hi, seems to get a big thrill out of him, I guess.
4: Hi, Bill. Jill.
3: Hi. How'd you do, Ben? Doctor didn't think it'd be a good idea to bother him too much tonight. We can talk to him tomorrow. How about the hold-up man's description? you get that? Yeah, from the girl. Matches what the other victims gave us. She didn't see the getaway car, though. Didn't have a chance. How about the young fellow? He's still unconscious? Yeah, they're going to move him to the county
4: hospital. You should have seen his face. Yeah? Terrible. It's a mess. This bandit's girlfriend, the blonde, nothing at all on her? Victims say she's got a nice figure and good-looking. Quite a few like that in Los Angeles. What are they getting out of these stick-ups anyway? can't be too much, huh? Oh,
3: that's just it. None of the heists have netted them more than $50. Hardly worth the trouble. Hot shot. I'll get it. What is it? What? Rattlesnake bandit. He got another couple. Where? South end of Echo Park. Yeah? He shot both of them. Together with Cummings and McCready from Homicide, Ben and I drove to the scene of the holdup and shooting in the Echo Park area. The victims were identified as Ralph Younger, 34, a high school English teacher. He'd been beaten severely about the face and neck and shot once through the right shoulder. His companion was Athelma Donovan, 26, a grade school teacher. She'd been shot through the temple just above the eyes. She was still alive, but in a critical condition. We questioned Ralph Younger briefly before he was removed by ambulance to the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. His description of the hold-up man tallied exactly with that of the rattlesnake bandit. He also gave us the description and license number of the getaway car. We got out a broadcast and an APB. A routine check of the area failed to turn up any leads. 11 a.m. the next morning, Ralph Younger told us the story from his hospital bed.
5: I was... I was teaching Thelma how to drive, Sergeant. We were going along that side street when the sedan pulled up. Forced us over to the curb. And your friend, Miss Donovan, was sitting in the driver's seat then? That's right. I got out on my side and started over to ask this fellow what he was doing. us like that. He rushed up to me and started slugging me in the face with his gun. I went down. Mm-hmm. Well, what did Miss Donovan do? She started hollering for help. The old up guy ran over and shoved his gun at her. He had it pointed at her head. And he grabbed Thelma's purse and started looking through it. <laughs> For money, I guess. Mm-hmm. Say, uh, would you mind moving this pillow over a little bit? Oh, sure, I
6: got you. There we are. Right, how's that, okay? on, oh,
5: uh, under the shoulder, please.
6: All right.
5: Yeah. There you are. That's fine. Thanks. Were you lying on
3: the street while all this was going on, Mr. Younger?
5: No, he yanked me to my feet, made me stand by the car with my hands up. Thelma was crying. A hold-up man looked through her purse, and then he said, Who are you trying to kid, lady? You got more money than this. Thelma told him the truth. <laughs> it was all she had, three dollars. what happened then? He shoved the barrel of the gun against her head... And Right here, by the temple. Then I heard the gun go off. Thelma fell over in the seat. wasn't any reason for it. No reason at all. He just shot her. Well, what did you do then, do you remember? I jumped for the man. I wanted to kill him right there. He turned and fired the gun at me. Hit me right here. Below the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Then he ran out and got in his car and drove off. It was a blonde girl with him. I got a good look at her. Blonde, pretty, attractive. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, is there anything else about the man's description that you might have forgotten to tell us last night?
5: No, I don't think so.
3: I gave you the license number of his car.
5: Can't you find him that way?
3: It was a stolen car, Mr. Young. He took it from one of his other victims. It was found out in Wilshire this morning. Bandit.
5: I only wish I'd got my hands on him. Poor Thelma.
3: How is she, you know? Well, there's no late report. Maybe you better check with the doctor, huh?
5: Yeah. Hey, before you go, would you mind ringing this button here? It's for the nurse. The shoulder's giving me trouble again. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, thanks
3: very much, Younger. Sure hope that shoulder of yours gets better. I hope so. Goodbye. We'll be checking with you later on.
5: Uh,
3: Yeah, okay. Come on, then.
4: Romero. Joe. How'd you do, Bill? Checked with the doctor. Donovan girl's still unconscious. Pretty critical. Mm-hmm. What'd the doc say? Is she gonna pull through? She might. They can't tell yet. One thing's sure, though. What's that? Bullet did a lot of damage. Yeah. She's totally blind.
3: Four days before a bullet from the hold-up gun had blinded schoolteacher Thelma Donovan for life, the rattlesnake bandit and his blonde girlfriend were unknown to the city of Los Angeles. In the space of little more than 96 hours, they'd robbed and slugged a dozen people from one end of the city to the other. In every case, the attacks were just about as brutal and vicious as they were unprovoked. The amount of money taken from each victim was negligible. The only apparent conclusion was that the bandit and his girlfriend were out for blood. That night, despite a citywide alert to all radio cars and patrolmen, the suspects robbed and slugged two more couples between the hours of 10 p.m. and midnight. Between midnight and 1.30 a.m., they got two more victims. 2.30 a.m. Ben and I got back to the city hall, the carpool.
1: 118, 6th and Spring. 11A, 6th and Spring. Office, well, it looks I like have a place
3: over there. there, huh? Mm-hmm. I wonder how McCready and Cummins made out. I hope they got more than we have. Yeah. Yeah, this is good right here. 132, 132. Right,
5: 132.
7: Want to get the radio, Joe? Yeah,
5: fine. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs>
3: Oh, God, it. I knew I forgot something. What's that? Cigarettes. You got any left? I don't think so. Old pack is all... No, there's one left in here. Yeah. No, no, it's all right. I can't take your last move. Oh, go ahead. There's a machine upstairs by the elevator. I'll get some. Uh, all right. Sure, better get these shoes half sold. Be walking around on my stocking feet pretty soon. Well, you just got them a couple of weeks ago, didn't you?
4: Yeah, that's right. Tops are as good as new. Soles—the darn things went just like that.
3: No wonder they had them on sale. Yeah. In hey, just a minute, I want to get those smokes. Oh, yeah. Kipper say he was gonna stay around? Until about two, yeah. He's probably gone by now.
4: It's a long day. Anything in the book?
3: A minute. Yeah, your wife called. I want you to get a refill on that prescription for your little boy. Oh. uh Hiya.
4: How'd you two do? Nothing. How about you? Chandler called from robbery a minute ago. Thinks they may have something. Yeah? At 211, big service station out on Pico. Hold up man had a blonde in the car with him. What about descriptions? Chibes pretty well with the guy we're after. Well, the MO doesn't. That thief and his girl haven't
3: tried anything but car hold since they started. How'd they manage the job?
4: Well, you know how they've been operating for transportation. They rob the people, steal their car. When they reach another victim, they transfer to his car. First time they switched that system was tonight. The hold up on South Hoover, the man and his wife. Huh? Instead of changing over, they stayed in the blue Chevy Coupe, the same one they took in the job before that. Up to now, they've used the same hot car in the last three jobs. Sure, gonna help if they stick with it. What about the gas station at Denver? Well, it, excuse me, Crowley Chandler. <coughs> Homicide Cummings. Yakline. Uh huh. 5-4-389. Right, thanks. They dug up a witness to the gas station job. Suspects drove off in a blue Chevy coupe, license five pole three eight nine. Same car. Huh? It stops me. What was it take? Twenty three bucks. Slugged the attendant. Took off. The broadcast's out. Area's been alerted. Nothing yet. Okay, Ben. Yeah. Sure is growing into a long night. Yeah, you're going to cover, huh, Bill? Yeah, until Fergie gets back. Right. Well, we'll be checking with you. Guy. Uh-huh. Homicide Romero. Yeah.
3: How's that? Yeah, right, thanks. Drugstore in South Fig, 211, slugging. Blonde girl drove the escape car. Yeah.
6: 5
3: Paul, 389. In the next three hours before dawn, the rattlesnake bandit and his blonde girlfriend held up and robbed a restaurant and two more service stations and made good their escape. For some unknown reason, they continued to use the same stolen car, the blue Chevrolet Coupe. By noontime, the following day, composite pictures of the hold-up couple were drawn up by the crime lab artist from the descriptions given by the victims. The pictures were printed up and given wide distribution throughout the city. The description and license number of the escaped car was in the hands of every radio car and patrolman in all divisions. The search was intensified. It got us nothing. The following night and early morning, without even slowing their pace, the suspects added four more hold-ups and sluggings to their credit. One of the victims was Fred Lerner proprietor of a small lunch counter near 18th and
6: Olive. I've been held up before, officer, half-dozen times. Never saw a punk as hard-looking as this guy, though. You're sure about the description, Mr. Lerner? Well, he stood just as close as you're standing to me now. While look in his eye, waving that gun around, I wasn't taking any chances. I gave him everything. Well, how much was that? Eighteen dollars and a half.
3: Well, how about the getaway car? You pretty sure of the make and the color?
6: Well, I ran to the door there as soon as they left, saw him drive off. There's a license. Just as I wrote it down, it's 5P389. Uh, five, uh, five P389. I saw the whole thing. Sure surprised Lois would tie up with a punk like him. Lois? Who's that? Well, you know, the blonde who drives a car for him, Lois Hagen? Well, how do you know that's her name? She used to be a waitress, worked for my brother. Lois Hagen, blonde. I spotted her right away in that car. Yeah? Yeah, sure, Lois. Didn't you know it was her? <laughs>
3: 7.30 a.m. We put in a call to the record bureau and had them check on the name and description of Lois Hagen. No make, no previous record. With the help of Fred Lerner and his brother, we traced the Hagen girl to a drive-in where she used to work. There, we checked the employment records and got an address on her. 1800 Norwich Drive. Turned out to be a small apartment house in West Hollywood. Ben checked with the landlady while I waited in the car. One transfer
8: 35.
3: Well, that's it. What'd you get? Talk to the landlady. She's managed the apartment for 16 years. Yeah? She never heard of Lewis Egan.
1: You are listening to Dragnet. Authentic stories of your police force in action. And now, here's an authentic report from Fatima Cigarettes.
0: 1949. Fatima more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. 1950, another record-breaking year, with more long cigarette smokers insisting on Fatima quality than
1: ever before. In 1951, enjoy Fatima quality
0: yourself. Yes, friends, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Quality of tobaccos, the finest Turkish and domestic varieties, extra mild and superbly blended to give you a much different, much better flavor and aroma.
1: Quality of manufacture. Smooth, plump cigarettes rolled in the finest paper money
0: can buy. Quality, even to the appearance of the bright, clean, golden yellow package. Carefully wrapped and sealed to bring you Fatima's rich, fresh, extra mild flavor.
1: Compare Fatima yourself. Fatima's now cost the same as other long cigarettes, but your first puff will tell you...
2: Ah, that's different.
0: Yes, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Start enjoying Fatima for a new year of greater smoking enjoyment. Insist on Fatima, the quality king-size cigarette. Best of all long cigarettes.
3: Tuesday, March 13th. That night and the one following, the rattlesnake bandit and his blonde girlfriend, supposedly Lois Hagen, continued their campaign of holdups and sluggings. They robbed two liquor stores, an all-night cafe, cigar shop, and two more service stations. In each case, the descriptions of the suspects and their getaway car was the same. Routine investigations got nowhere. Ben and I went to work checking out the thin lead that we had on the girl known as Lois Hagen. After three days of pounding the pavement and asking questions, we found two former waitresses at drive-in restaurants who had worked with Lois Hagan. Both of them gave us addresses where they thought the Hagan girl had lived at one time. One of them was a phony, it was a vacant lot. The other panned out. It was a rooming house out in the Boyle Heights district. The manager told us that the Hagan girl lived there two years before. She told us that as far as she knew, the girl's mother, a Mrs. Ernestine Hagen. Still ran a small French laundry on South Hobart Boulevard. We found Mrs. Hagen working in her shop. She was a small, thin woman with gray hair.
8: Yes, I have a daughter, Lois. What's the matter?
3: I'd like to talk to her, Mrs. Hagen. Do you know where we can locate her?
8: Probably sounds funny to you. I haven't seen my daughter in two years.
3: Well, do you have any idea where she's living, ma'am?
8: No, she's not much of a daughter. We didn't get along. As I say, two years ago we had an argument. She left me, never wrote a letter... I just don't know.
5: I see.
8: I heard she was living in Detroit for a while. I guess she's back here now. One of my lady friends, Mrs. McCormick, saw Lowe was shopping out in Hollywood. That was about a month ago.
3: Mm-hmm. How old is your daughter, Mrs. Hayes?
8: She'll be 20 next month. She looks older than she really is. Won't you excuse me, please? My flat iron back here. I have it heating.
2: Certainly,
6: ma'am.
3: Do you have a copy of the composite picture of the girl? Mm, Yeah, Yeah, it's
7: right here.
8: I didn't realize it was getting so late. I have this rush order to get ready by 4 o'clock, officers. If you want, you can come back here. We can talk while I get it out.
3: All right, ma'am. Thank you. There's
8: a chair there, if you like.
6: Oh, thank you.
8: Seems I'm always so busy lately. I used to have some fine help. It's not so easy to find anymore. Science seems awful hot. It's all right.
3: I wonder if you'd mind looking at this picture, ma'am, this one here.
8: Yeah, all right. Mm hmm Looks something like Lois. You're looking for her, is that it? She done something again?
3: Well, we're not sure, ma'am. Has she been in trouble before?
8: I can't be more ashamed of her than I already am. Yeah. She's been in trouble before. She was nothing but trouble. My only child. Her father died and she's a baby, but I guess she needed a father. I couldn't do anything with her.
6: Was your daughter ever in any serious trouble with the police, honey?
8: I don't know, maybe. She was. I didn't hear about it. I tried to understand and we never got along. I don't know. This makes me sick to think about it.
3: How about her friends, Mrs. Hagan? I mean her recent friends. Do you happen to know any of them?
8: No. Lois never brought them home. I knew they were tramps. I heard the way the neighbors were talking. Trampy fellas, trampy girls, drinking, doing things. You know, she didn't learn those things at home.
3: What was Lois' last known address? Do you have any idea at all?
8: place in Boyle Heights, boarding house. It's the last I heard of Lois. She never wrote a letter. That's another thing. Yes, ma'am. She could have had the best education any girl could want. I worked 12 years in the laundry here to give it to her. I sent it to the convent. Even the nuns couldn't do anything with her. She only sassed them back. She finally quit altogether. I don't know.
3: Can you think of anybody who might know where your daughter is? Maybe one of your relatives?
8: Yeah, we don't have any relatives here. I have a brother in Ohio, that's all. This lace blouse is an awful lot of trouble. Would you pull out that plump, Sergeant, please? Oh, yes,
6: ma'am.
3: I wonder if you have a picture of your daughter that we could borrow. We'll see that it's returned to
8: you. Yeah, right. I got lots of pictures of Lois. She's a pretty girl, you know. Looks quite a bit like me when I was young.
3: Yes, ma'am. Well, thanks very much for your time. Even
8: the nurses at the hospital said it when Lois is born. Beautiful child. Certainly strange, isn't it?
6: How's that?
8: And they're babies. They all look so clean and so good. Yes, ma'am. What happens to them?
3: Before we left Mrs. Hagen, we got a photograph of her daughter, Lois, and then we drove back to the office. We spent the rest of the afternoon showing the picture to several of the robbery victims. All of them identified the Hagen girl as the bandit's accomplice. We got out a supplementary broadcast. That night, the holdup couple failed to put in an appearance. The following night, the same. Not a sign of them. Still no sign of the escape car, either. Where they might be hiding out, we had no idea. The search went on. Repeated checks through the stats office and the record bureau failed to turn up any new leads. We stayed on it. Four nights later, the still unidentified holdup man and Lois Hagan started in all over again. Two drugstore holdups, two robberies of couples in parked cars. All of the victims were beaten senseless. Monday, March 19th, 8 a.m. Joe? Sure. Hi. Did they turn up anything last night? Two more jobs. Both victims identified the Hagen girl as the accomplice. Anything else? Still using the same escape car. That's about it. Yeah. Well, we're no closer than we were a week ago. Huh? I checked the hospital on the druggist they How's he doing? I don't know yet. Still unconscious. i get it. Homicide, Friday. Yeah, Mike. Where? Yeah, right away. What have you got? 32R. They're out on 18th and Hill. Yeah? The hold-up car. They just spotted it. 8.20 a.m. Together with Cummings and McCready, we drove out to 18th and Hill, where the officers in Unit 32R had the hold-up car staked out. It was parked in the back of a large service station on Hill Street near the corner of 18th. We talked with the manager, and he told us that a blonde girl answering Lois Hagen's description had left the car there earlier that morning just to have the distributor fixed and the battery recharged. She told him that she'd call for the car early that night. Because of the way that the service station was situated, it would have been impossible to stake out on the blue coupe without making it look obvious. We explained the setup to the manager and made arrangements for Ben and I to pose his employees. That way, we could keep a close watch on the car until the suspects called for it. Cummings and McCready holed up in a coffee shop directly across the street. Two teams of men from robbery covered from their vantage points. Ben and I took up our posts as supervisors of the station's 10-minute car wash. They sure do a great business here, huh? Yeah. You mentioned to the manager about keeping the area clear around that car, didn't you? Yeah, it's all set up. We're not going to have an excuse in the world if we miss those two. Yeah, if they show up.
4: What are we supposed to do now? Pull these tickets off the cars as they move off the wash line?
3: Yeah, that's all. Just uh, slip the tickets in that box over there, see? Mm Mm-hmm. Must have run them a few dollars, huh, installing all this equipment? Seems to be paying off, doesn't it? What time you got now? Uh, A few minutes past four. Want to smoke? No, I just put one out. 1 a.m. Ben spotted a young blonde girl turn the corner onto Hill and start up the street toward the service station. As she came closer, she looked to the right and the left. She paused in front of the station, looked on both sides of the street, and then she turned completely around and walked on past. It's Lois Hagen. She's going right down to the corner. How about her? Yeah, I'll put in with you. How about her tail? We can't just let her walk away from us. No, just a minute. Take a look. She's turning around. Coming back this way. She's coming in. Yeah, we better get back to our car. Looks like it. Right. The young blonde entered the garage office, paid the repair bill, and drove off in the hold-up car. Ben and I followed an 80K. Cummings and McCready tailed us. The blue coupe moved two blocks down Hill Street and then turned into an apartment garage. We parked on the street, went in and got the manager out of bed. We showed him Lois Hagen's picture. He told us that she was registered alone in apartment 16. He failed to recognize the description of the hold-up man. McCready and three men from robbery covered the front and back exits. Cummings, Ben and I climbed the stairs to the third floor. Number 16. Joe? You want to ring it? Yeah? Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> Bedroom, Bill. Right. I'll take
8: the kitchen. Wait a minute. What is this?
3: Police officers. You Lois Hagen.
8: You get out of here. Let me in.
3: Bedroom's empty. Nothing back here. All right. Where is he? Come on. Let's have it. Frank,
8: get out
9: Upstairs, you. Watch your bill. I got it. Come on,
7: baby.
3: <laughs> yeah. The stairs, Joe. Watching? Yeah. Hold it. Break yeah. it off. Come on down, cops. Give me a roll. Give it up, mister. You haven't got a chance.
9: Give hey, me room. I'm coming down.
3: We got the building covered, mister. Give it up. Look out, Joe. <laughs> I'll get his gun. Joe, Ben, you all right? Yeah, Bill. You want to take the girl downstairs?
8: Let me see him, please. Frank?
4: Frank? All right, lady.
8: didn't have to happen. I tried to tell him, get away. He wouldn't listen, never listen. Let's go. We were married yesterday. You didn't know that, did you? Just married. Yeah. Married two days.
3: Yeah, well, the honeymoon's over. Come on, lady.
1: On August 5th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 87, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here's our star, Jack Webb. Thank you.
3: Here's an invitation we just received from New York's famous Stork Club. Host Sherman Billingsley asked us to pass it on to you Dragnet listeners who have television sets. It reads, Fatima, best of all long cigarettes, cordially invites you to see the Stork Club on television beginning this week. Well, Dragnet welcomes the Stork Club to the Fatima family. It's a fine television show. You know the Stork Club recommends only the best, and as Sherman Billingsley says, in long cigarettes that means extra mile Fatima. You can judge that yourself, just as I have, by comparing Fatima with other long cigarettes. Buy a pack of Fatimas. You'll find they now cost the same, but in Fatima,
1: the difference is quality. <laughs> The body of the dead hold-up man was identified as that of Frank Ralston Kilbride. His accomplice, Lois Hagen, was tried and convicted on six counts of armed robbery and assault with a deadly weapon. She received sentences as prescribed by law and is now serving her term in the state penitentiary for women. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker.
0: Fatima Cigarettes has brought you Dragnet, portions transcribed from Los Angeles. We the People is next on NBC. The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned the homicide detail. A man crouches on the window ledge of a downtown building 13 stories above the street. He threatens to leap to his death within the hour. Your job, stop him. You'll be amazed when you compare Fatima with other long cigarettes.
1: You'll find they now cost the same. But in Fatima, the difference is quality.
0: you see, Fatima is the quality king-size cigarette. Because it contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos, superbly blended. And Fatima is extra mild. With a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. So compare Fatima yourself. Fatimas now cost the
1: same as other long cigarettes. But your first puff will tell you...
2: Ah, that's different.
0: Yes, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Ask your dealer for Fatima. The quality king-size cigarette. Best of all, long cigarettes. Start enjoying Fatima for a new year of greater smoking enjoyment.
1: Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Drag is the story of your police force in action. It was
3: Thursday, September 6th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Captain Steve. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from communications and it was one twenty eight PM when I got to room forty two. Homicide. You ready, Skip? Yeah,
1: coming.
3: Ben, what's up? Just got the call, Third and Temple. Yeah. Fitzroy Building, thirteenth floor. They got a jumper. Righty, Ben. Let's hustle it, Right.
6: What's the story? Skipper took the call. Not much to tell. The guy's perched out on a window ledge, thirteen floors up, threatening to jump. Yeah. What time you got, Romero? One thirty-three. Uh, not much time. What? The guy on the ledge. He served notice. Well, how do you mean? He says he's going to jump at two o'clock. 36 p.m.
3: Ben pulled the car to a stop at 3rd and Temple. We double parked near the intersection and started to cross the street to the building on the northeast corner. It was a steel-framed structure with a blocked granite facing. The stone lettering over the main entrance read, R.H. Fitzroy Building, 1927. The immediate area had been blocked off in all directions. The sidewalks directly adjacent to the building on 3rd Street and on Temple Street had also been cleared of all pedestrian traffic. Hundreds of curious onlookers jammed against police lines at the far side of the intersection. Reaching back for a full block in either direction, hundreds more had packed in behind them. Thirteen stories above the pavement was the center of attraction, the figure of a man standing upright on a narrow ledge, looking down at the crowd. On the street directly below him, men from the fire department's rescue squad were hurriedly stretching out nets. We entered the building, took the elevator to the 13th floor.
6: Who's standing by up here, Skipper? Bechtel and Wiseman. I saw the crowd gathering in the street on the way back from lunch. Looked up and saw a guy on the ledge and came right up.
3: How long has the guy been standing out there? About 15 minutes. Sure, drawing a crowd. Must be a couple of thousand people
6: down there. Oh. Yeah. What was that room number,
3: Friday? Uh, 1305. Yeah, down this way. There's Bechtel.
4: Max? Hi. Been watching for you.
3: The office is down here. Okay. How's it stand now? He's still out there ready to jump. We got 22 minutes to figure out how to stop him. What's the story, anyway. I'll let the doctor tell you. Go ahead.
9: Through here.
2: Nurse,
4: where'd Dr. Turner go? He was down to meet Dr. Rice. He's
2: bringing him right up. Uh, this is Captain Steed,
4: Homicide in the Flanahan. How do you do? Uh, How's how your Friday, Romero? How do you how do? Nurse, how are you? Here's how he climbed outside this window here. Yeah. Right now, he's standing on the ledge about 12 feet to the right of the window. The ledge is about 14 inches wide. No other windows closer to him? No, this is it. Did you try to talk him out of it, get him back inside? We took a turn at it, yeah. Wiseman crawled out on the ledge, talked to him. So did I. One of the queerest jumpers I've come across. What do you mean? got a hammer with him, a carpenter's hammer. Whenever you get close to him, he takes a cut at you. Wiseman wasn't
3: looking for it. Had to duck fast. He almost went over Was there any other way to reach him? Double-check the whole layout. This
4: window's the closest. What about lowering a man from the roof? A wide piece of cornice up there, a big overhang. Put a man down on a rope, and he'd be hanging three feet from the side of the building. Wouldn't come close to the guy. How about this doctor you mentioned, Beck? You figure he can help? It's worth a try. Just let hand.
2: Yes, Sergeant.
4: You saw it happen. You know better than I do what Dr. Turner's idea is. Would you fill these men in,
3: please? Make it brief. Surely. Now, this man on the ledge, who is he? Do you know?
2: Walter Harrison's his name. He's one of the doctor's patients. His sister brought him in for a routine checkup. That was about 1 o'clock. How old is the man? 41. His sister told us he's been complaining of a backache lately. While the doctor was examining him, and Mr. Harrison flew up all of a sudden. He yelled out we were trying to cripple him, that we wanted to kill him. Oh, excuse me, please. Sure. Dr. Turner's office. No, I'm sorry. Not this afternoon. We have an awful lot of trouble. Yes, all right, thank you. Well,
3: what happened after Harrison started to act up, Miss him?
2: Dr. Turner and I tried to hold him. He shoved us both out of the way. He hit the doctor in the face, then he ran to the window, got out on that ledge, and crawled along the side of the building. He's been there ever since.
9: Miss Harrison is a mental case?
2: Yes, he's been for ten years. Been in and out of the state hospital at Camarillo a couple of times. Sister Ruth's been taking care of him. She was here when it happened. Where is she now? Next door, the treatment room. Thelma, that's the other nurse. She's looking after Miss Harrison. She's pretty close to hysterics.
6: Tried to talk to her, Skipper. Not much help so far. Mm-hmm. You say the doctor's been treating this, Mr. Harrison?
2: No, he just came in for a physical checkup. Dr. Reich's been handling this mental condition. That's where Dr. Turner is now, getting Reich. He has his office in the next building. Uh,
6: what time have you got, Ben? Hmm, it's getting short. Nineteen minutes to two. How about a time element, Beck? If he's going to kill himself, why is he waiting for 2 o'clock to do it? He's got me. He scribbled a
4: note out there, threw it down to the street. One of the men in the rescue squad grabbed it and brought it up. I got it right here. Yeah,
3: let me see. Now, look at that. mm mm-hmm. They want my life. They want... What's this next one?
9: Oh, dead. Dead. They want me oh, dead.
3: Yeah. I'd like to pray first. I'll jump at 2 o'clock. Oh, what's this last thing, Ben? I can't this Let me see, at 2 o'clock, don't touch my body. That's it. Don't touch my body.
6: You saw the guy at close range. Beck, what do you think? He's serious? I don't know. I'm not even going to guess. How about me going out and talking to him, Skipper? It might work. It won't do any harm. That ledge is 14 inches wide, Romero. If you slip, I don't want to
3: explain it to your wife and kid. Well, how about me giving it a try? That jumper case last October, I was on that one. It's volunteer duty, Joe. I'm not going to order you. You know the risk. Yeah, I'll watch you. You want to stand by here at the window, Ben? Yeah, okay. Let's get that window off. Huh? fine. Blind okay. I'll give you a hand with the window. All right. Come oh, on. Up she goes. stuck. Yeah, I did. All the way up, huh? There, here it goes. Okay. Make careful now, huh? Yeah, I will. Joe. Yeah, Beck. Don't forget about that hammer the guy's got. It's just my guess. Yeah, what's that? The guy might want to die. I don't think he wants to do it alone. One
7: forty-three
3: p.m. If we could take Walter Harrison's word for it, we had exactly 17 minutes to talk him into a change of mind before he plunged to his death on the pavement thirteen stories below. I crawled out of the window and started inching my way along the narrow ledge. Went slow. I kept my eyes on Harrison. He stood about ten feet away from me, looking down at the crowds jamming the streets below. I edged along to within eight feet of him. He didn't seem to notice me. He was a fairly tall man, about five foot ten, medium build, dark hair. He was wearing gray pinstripe trousers, a white shirt, no coat, no necktie. I got to within six feet of him. He raised one arm and made a motion with his fist at the crowd below.
9: Animals! Animal, you dirty bag of animals! You won't touch me, I'll jump right through you! You won't even touch
3: me! I kept edging toward him. He still didn't seem to notice me. He turned his body a little. He kept pounding the side of the building with a hammer. I got a look at his right hand in if he held the carpenter's hammer I got to within five feet of him An airliner passed overhead Harrison looked up He muttered something Then he turned He saw me
9: I'm gonna kill you
3: It's alright with me, Waller. Why do you want to kill yourself? You're only gonna hurt people
9: You don't care about people You don't care about me
3: What am I doing out here? Well, you got it wrong, Walter. A lot of people care about you. They want you back inside. They want you where it's safe. You're you're another one of those.
9: You want to get your hands on me. You want to grab me. Well, you're not. I'm going to kill
3: It's all right, Walter. You can kill me. I want to help you first. You
9: stay back. Don't you move anymore. I, I got this hammer and I'll smash your face with it. I, I'll
3: smash you. I only want to talk to you. I know we can straighten this out.
9: I'll, I'll do it my way. You understand my way. I know who you are. You, you've you been after me before. I know what it's all about. Yeah, I know you do, Walter, but you got it wrong. Now, look, you're going to
3: jump off this building at 2 o'clock. That's in 15 minutes. That's right. You bet I am. All right, now, let's let's talk it over for five of those minutes, huh? Can't do any harm. I'm not
9: going to hurt you. How about it, okay? Why should I talk to you? Because I care about what happens to you. So does your sister. So do a lot of people. Well, then you're like a lot of people. You do want to get your hands on them. Like, like those animals down there, the whole dirty pack of them. They, they want to grab on them, get all around close and put their hands on me. Well, they're not going to do it. Of course they're not. Nobody's going to hurt you. You know that, don't you? You bet me? your life they're not. You you see that dirty pack down there? Well, they don't know it, but I'm going to jump right through I'm going to jump right through all of them. They won't even touch me, and I can do it right now. Wait a minute, Walter do forget your promise. What are you talking about? What promise? Two o'clock. You wrote that down yourself. You said you wouldn't jump until it was two o'clock, that's, didn't you? That was no promise. I I, I I, just wrote it down, that's all. Just two o'clock.
3: Yeah. Well, your sister believed it.
9: We gave her the note. She says it's your promise. Now, you're going to make a liar out of yourself? You're you're the liar. Ruth didn't say that. She didn't say it was a promise.
3: you got to take my word for that.
9: All right, let's go in and ask her. How about it? See, see Ruth inside? Sure. Come on. Come on, take my hand, Walter. All right. All right, I'll, I'll take your hand. <laughs> Watch your step. Look out, will you? You, will get back. You get back. Now, now, next time I won't miss. I'll smash your whole arm I'll... You, you think you're pretty smart, don't you? You're trying to trick me. Well, I told you before, I, I know who you are. You're trying to get your hands on me. You promised your sister two o'clock. You're still going to break that promise? I'm not like you in that back down there. I don't break promise.
3: Everybody knows that, Walter. They trust you. Now, come on. How about talking this thing out? What time is it? 1:46, 14 minutes to go. You're lying. Uh, how do I know that's the time? Well, you can look at my watch. Here. Right here. Now,
9: now you stand back. I, I told you before.
3: You stay away from I just wanted to show you the time. That's all.
9: All right, you can look at that big clock up the street. See, the one on the side of the Hobart Building up there. Fourteen minutes. Uh, how do I know that's right? How do I know they're not in with with you too? You already said it. Big
3: company. They don't care about you or me. They got a business to run. Their clock.
9: They don't care what happens. No. No, of course not. They don't. They don't care. All right, well, I'll just keep an eye on this clock. All right.
3: You don't mind if I talk while you wait, do you? What's that plane?
9: What's it doing up right there? Well, it's just an airliner. Probably on its way into Burbank. You're not fooling me. That plane's been by before. It's flying low, too.
3: Yeah, I guess I didn't notice it.
9: Well, what difference does it make? Probably watching. Flying back and forth. Maybe they're the police. They're they're, they're trying to do something. They're trying to get their hands
3: on me. Well, let's see.
9: Yeah, might be their plane. It's a big one. Sure, sure. They're trying to do something. Coming right by here, flying low. It's the same one. I, I can see. Look, look. You see there on the wing? Yeah. What's that? The the number right there on the wing. It's the same one that passed over a few minutes ago. You get away from me! All right, Walter, give me that. I'm gonna kill you! Give it to me! Walter, you. You You... You thought you tricked me. You... You didn't know I had my pocket knife. Well, I can kill you with it now. I can kill you right now.
3: Yeah. I told you before, it's all right with me. Look out there. Watch your step on the ledge, will you? I
9: should have cut your hand off. I should have cut your whole arm off and thrown it to those animals down there. Look, look at that blood
3: all over your hand. Well, I'm sorry, Walter. It's not your fault. I just wanted to talk the whole thing over to tell you how your sister feels about You're it.
9: You're a liar. I, I knew it when I looked at you. Now, now, you get away. You get away before I kill you. Look, there's only one thing I can tell you. Your sister Ruth's sitting
3: inside there, and she's worried sick. She's waiting for you. She wants to take you home. Now, how about it? There's no reason for all this. You know that, don't you? Do I? Sure you do. Your sister and your family, they care about you. They want you home again. They want you with
9: them. There's no reason to be standing out here now, is there? You, you wait until 2 o'clock, mister. Yeah. I'll show you the reason.
3: 1.48 p.m., 12 minutes left. I made my way along the ledge, through the window, back into the office. Dr. Wright, a man who'd been treating Walter Harrison for his mental sickness, was already there with Dr. Turner. While the nurse bandaged up my hand, Captain Steed, Ben, and I talked with him. I've treated Harrison for ten years, on and off, I guess. He showed some improvement, not much. Definite paranoid tendencies. Did he ever try this before, Dr. Ratt? Not to my knowledge. His sister might tell you more. I really don't
6: know what to advise you to do. He's never been this violent before, using a hammer and knife. There
2: you are, Sergeant. I that feel all right?
6: Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. There's only one thing I've got to know, Doctor. Is it worth letting another one of my men go out there on that ledge? I'm afraid that's your decision, Captain. It may help,
4: it may not. I know the patient, but I can't read his mind. I was just thinking.
3: We might bring Harrison's sister to the window and have her talk to him. Think that might help, Doctor? Very possible
6: it might. In a spot like this, I'm in the same boat you are. It's all guesswork. You think Harrison's really going to be ready to jump at 2 o'clock, Doctor? From what Sergeant Friday tells me, yes, I think he'll jump.
3: We've got to come up with something. We can't just stand around and watch a guy take a dive down 13 stories.
6: I wish
4: I knew the answer.
3: There's got to be one someplace. There's got to be an answer.
7: Well,
4: let's
3: check your watch. We've got 10 minutes to find it. <laughs>
1: Listening to Dragnet, authentic stories of your police force in action. And now, here's an authentic report from Fatima Cigarettes. 1949, Fatima more than doubled its
9: smokers coast to coast. 1950, another record breaking year, with more long cigarette smokers insisting on Fatima quality than ever before. In
1: 1951,
0: enjoy Fatima quality yourself. Yes, friends, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Quality of tobaccos, the finest Turkish and domestic varieties, extra mild and superbly blended to give you a much different, much better flavor and aroma.
1: Quality of manufacture, smooth, plump cigarettes rolled in the finest paper money can buy. Quality,
0: even to the appearance of the bright, clean, golden yellow package. Carefully wrapped and sealed to bring you Fatima's rich, fresh, extra mild flavor. Compare Fatima
1: yourself. Fatima's now cost the same as other long cigarettes, but your first
0: puff will tell you...
2: Ah, that's different.
0: Yes, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Start enjoying Fatima for a new year of greater smoking enjoyment. Insist on Fatima, the quality king-size cigarette. Best of all long cigarettes. Ah.
3: sworn duty of the peace officer to protect the lives of the citizens of the community in which he serves. That isn't always limited to protecting the citizens from criminals and lawbreakers. Oftentimes, the citizen has to be protected from himself. The drunken driver can do as much harm to his own person as he can to others. The same for the narcotic addict. The same for mental incompetence such as Walter Harrison. If he was being assaulted, robbed, or shot at by a gunman, it would have been no more serious. Harrison's life was in jeopardy trying to save him had to be the first consideration. 1.50 p.m., Sergeant Jack Wiseman inched his way out on the ledge of the 13th story and kept Walter Harrison busy talking, anything to keep his mind off the jump. Captain Steed got on the phone and talked to the manager of the Hobart building, a 12-story structure three blocks away with a large clock set into either side of it, the same clock Harrison was keeping time by.
6: Yeah, that's right, just so you don't make it look too obvious. Okay, Mr. Walsh, thank you. They're going to do all they can. Let's hope it works. Yeah, what'd he say? They're going to start slowing down the clock in the building right away. If Harrison goes by that time, it's going to be a long ten minutes. Well, how much they figure they can
3: stretch it? About five or six minutes without making it look too obvious. We can sure use it. Let's hope Harrison doesn't
6: catch on. Manager said they'll stop the clock when it's a minute to go. It'll never reach two o'clock.
3: Skipper. Yeah? Yeah, I just checked with the rescue squad down the street. They're stringing out more nets. Well? They're not guaranteeing anything. How do you mean? They're worried about those ledges jutting up from the building every other floor. They say if Harrison jumps close enough, he's bound to hit one of them. If he does, he'll be dead before he reaches street level. Nets down there won't do him any good. Well, nothing we can do about it. Something else we'll have to hand over to Luck. Have they come up with any ideas, Ben? Just one. Sounds like it could work. What's that? They figured like we did. The overhang on the roof is too wide to lower a man directly down on top of Harrison to grab him. Yeah? They think it might work if they try this. Put a man in a rope sling just over the edge of the roof. Lower him down toward Harrison as close as possible without tipping Give him a good line. Let him try to rope Harrison. Uh, I don't know. They got any candidates to try it? Yeah, one. The guy's been on the rescue squad for years. Supposed to be an expert with a lasso. Captain? No, oh, might do it. I don't know. Yeah. What happens if he misses Harrison? Who knows? What happens if Harrison jumps? Captain? I just got off that ledge in a hurry. He came at me with that knife. Is he any closer to the window? He backed off again. Something else. That clock in the Hobart building. Yeah. Pretty sure he's wise to that gimmick. He's given it up. What do you mean? The two o'clock deadline. He's not going to wait for it. 1.55 p.m. A specially equipped police car with loudspeakers mounted on the roof was rushed to the intersection of 3rd and Temple Streets opposite the Fitzroy building. Sergeant Jack Wiseman took Walter Harrison's sister, Ruth, down on the elevator to the street. She got on the police car microphone and started talking to her brother over the loudspeakers. Word was passed to the special detail of men from the fire department's rescue squad standing by on the roof of the building. They went to work. Captain Steed went up to the roof to see if he could assist them. Ben and I waited in the office on the 13th floor. The nurse, Miss Lenahan, and Jean Bechtel were with us. 1.57 p.m. The men on the roof started to lower the man from the rescue squad in a rope sling. He held a double-strength lasso in his hand. The end of it was wrapped around his body and tied securely. Ben and I watched from the window. We looked along the narrow ledge. Walter Harrison stood erect and motionless, an open pocket knife in one hand, his feet on the brink of a 13-story jump. The voice of Harrison's sister drifted up from the loudspeakers down on the street.
7: Walter? This is Ruth, Walter. Can you hear me? This is Ruth. I want you to come home with me, Walter. Please. You've got to understand.
3: Sister's doing all right. Finish it for sure if he looks up. Yeah, sure no one... There's
9: nothing
7: wrong. No one's going to hurt
8: you. We want to help you, Walter.
7: Please.
9: I can't see, Joe. They're letting the man down? Yeah, coming slow. There's Wait a nothing
7: minute. to be afraid of. You know that, don't you? Come home with me, please. I'll take care of you. I'll see that you're safe, that
6: you're all right. Joe, how's Harrison doing? Can you see? Yeah.
3: He's looking down, not moving at all. Nobody's
7: going to hurt you, believe me. These people are your friends. They want to help you. Can you hear
3: me, Walter? They want to help you. That's it. What? man coming down on the rope. He's just
9: above Harrison now.
7: You can trust me, your sister, Ruth. You've got to trust me, Walter. I want to take care of
9: you. I want to take you home. Yeah, I see the man now. He's right above me. Got the lasso ready. Keep your fingers crossed. Out.
3: What is it? What's happening? The lasso. He's throwing it.
9: Get away from me! Miss, Joey, miss! What? Wait a minute, Harrison! No, i Get him away from me! Get him away! From pull that man up! Pull him out of the way! That doesn't... Well, he's
3: still on the ledge. I'm going out.
9: Joe, wait a minute. Yeah? It's only a chance. Yeah? Why don't you get him mad at you? Say anything insult him. Well, I'll try. Anything to make him go for you. If you can get him down to this window, I can grab him. Well, if I get him by the window, I'll hold on to him, huh? Yeah. When you grab him, try to lean as
3: close to the building as you can. There's not much to lean on the other way. One fifty-nine p.m., I got through the window and out onto the ledge. The crowds jamming the streets below had swollen to almost twice their size. A few blocks away, the big clock on the side of the Hobart building read five minutes to two, but Harrison wasn't looking at it. He still had his eyes fixed on the pavement 13 stories beneath us. He'd torn off his collar and his shirt was ripped open at the neck. He waved his arms and shouted at the crowd below as he tottered along the ledge toward the corner of the building, away from the window that I was supposed to lure him into. In his right hand, he still held onto the open pocket knife
9: you're not going to get your hands on me. You're not even going to get close. Wait a minute, Harrison. Watch it. You you watch me, mister. I'm going to jump right through them down there. Those dirty animals. You just watch. I right, wait a minute. I got a message for you from your sister Ruth. Now, do you want to hear it? You, you won't get your hands on me. None of you. I'll, I'll see you later. Mister. You're a phony, Harrison. You're a phony liar. I'm a white. Don't hurt me. You're not kidding anybody. You, you don't think I can jump, huh? Well, you just what? Anybody can jump. Any phony can do that. What? It doesn't take anything. Those animals down there in the street, any one of them could do that. You're just like one of them. I've still got this knife. I've used it before. I can kill you. You couldn't kill anything. You haven't got the guts. You're a phony. You're a liar. You're, you're a rotten liar. I can cut you to pieces. Oh, you talk big Harrison, but you're all talk. I can cut you to pieces. You haven't got me fooled, mister. Not for a minute. I'll, I'll cut you to pieces. You haven't got half the nerve. You're a phony and you know it. You're a rotten liar. You, you stand still. Go on. You stand still and I'll show you. Oh, you talk a real good game, but that's about all. You're all oh uh, I'll show you. I still have my knife and I'll, I'll you right now. Yeah, sure you will. You're backing away. You're afraid. You're a phony, Harrison. Nobody's afraid of a phony. Cut you up, Gordon. I'm waiting for you. Come on. What's the matter, Harrison? You're, you're, not, you're not waiting. Stay still and, and and stop backing away. Now, stop! I tell you, you come and get me, huh? Haven't you got enough nerve? You're just talking again. All talk, huh? That, that, that window. You've got to stop by the window, and and then I'll cut you a piece.
3: All right, Harrison. Here. Now, you go ahead.
9: Prove you're a phony. All right. I'll show you. You're running All right, Walter, now drop it, drop it. I can't you. you run, out I'll get you to be. Drop it, now, drop it. Oh. Joel, look out. Grab them. They're going to fall. Well, how close can it get? Yeah. Nurse? That
2: was just wonderful, Sergeant, both of you. Are you all right?
3: Yeah, fine. Would you mind getting Captain Steve for us, please? You know who he is. Oh, Shirley, right
9: away. Well. Yeah, it was a
3: rough one. Yeah, mm-hmm.
9: Dan, looked like you were both going over the side. Yeah. Thought I'd lost you, Joe. Well,
3: you didn't have to worry. No? No. You told me which way to lean. Yeah.
0: The names were changed to protect the innocent. On
1: September 10th, a sanity hearing was held at the County Hospital Psychopathic Ward, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that hearing.
0: Now, here is our star,
1: Jack Webb. Thank you. Friends, there's one big difference in long cigarettes, and here's
3: the one sentence that tells the full story. In Fatima, the difference is quality. That's why this headline is being featured in leading national magazines. Yes, these new Fatima full-page color ads are another proof of Fatima's fast-growing popularity. More long cigarette smokers are insisting on Fatima quality than ever before. Now, if you're a long cigarette smoker like I am, buy a pack of extra Mile Fatimas. You'll find, as I have, that Fatimas now cost the same, but in Fatima, the difference is quality.
1: After being examined by six psychiatrists, Walter John Harrison was judged mentally incompetent. On his sister's request, he was committed to a private sanitarium. Seven months later, Harrison took his own life by hanging. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles
4: Police Department.
0: Tima cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, portion transcribed from Los Angeles. We the People is next with Stories of Today on NBC.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient,